Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Earners, it's 2021, the year of execution. In order to execute, we have to have information. And the number one place to get the information, EYL University. Shadi, tell them what we bring in. Yes, EYL University has been reloaded. We already have 100 past webinars. We already have weekly webinars. We already have our private investment group on Facebook. We already have monthly financial planning calls. We already have bi-weekly real estate calls. But what has been added to EYL University this year is access to MG the Mortgage Guys Home Buyers Blueprint, which walks you through the home buying process from A to Z. And what also has been added, breaking news alert. Yeah, Everybody always news. asks to be in our group How chat. How do I get in there? How do I and get in when we talk about all the investment plays that we are making, we are going to have investment calls, group chat calls with me, Troy, and the whole team and walk you through our plays that we're making and give you insight into our portfolios. All of that for 75% off. That's right. We are doing a blowout sale, 75% off for a limited time only. Go to EYLUniversity.com right now and sign up. See you on the other side. yours thank you so i want to reveal uh the 25 hidden secrets of investing last week we talked about robin hood and the debacle with that but i want to walk you through some things that i think that would add to that conversation we also make you a better investor so if you're excited about that please put yes in chat i love you guys so much so uh i want you to go rate the podcast i want to do something super special so if market mondays get to the top one or two slots on the charts, I'm going to give away a thousand stock club scholarships. Wow! So that I want to—that's crazy. I want to bless you guys. <laughs> that's crazy. It's a large number. Yeah, that's crazy. A lot of times we be like, "Yo, help us run it up," and then there's no benefit to them. I want it to benefit you. So go leave a five star, mark five five stars, leave a comment, and, and subscribe, and subscribe. And if you share it with your friends, that'd be even better. So I appreciate you. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And today is the last day for Stock Club at this price. It's going to double. Uh, my brother's going to the price as well. I'm going premium, Tiffany, you know. So um, February 11th, we got a surprise thing that we're doing. Uh, we got a crossover uh, episode with Josh and the fellas at Compound. So we'll be sure to drop that link for you. Um, 
and that's going to be pretty fun. We're going to run that up too. So the good brother, Josh. Bro. Shout out to Josh, man. Good guy right there. Uh, real quick, uh, I want to tell my baby, I know you're watching, so you got to go to bed soon. Don't argue with mommy about it, but happy birthday. Um, I had a blast with you this weekend. I know you had a great time. I want to tell you I love you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, thank you for pushing me to be a better man. Um, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be as dedicated as I was and as I am now, and I wouldn't be as focused. And uh, thank you for pushing me to be fearless. Um, you're everything I've dreamed of in the sun and more, so I love you. Happy birthday, Xander. He, he called. He now, called right before this. Happy birthday. He said, what's up, investor? What's up? I know. <laughs> what's up with you, investor? <laughs> um, but the biggest lessons I want to share with you, and you guys can impart this to your kids. Um, Xander, I want you to always be kind. I want you to be fearless. I know sometimes you get frustrated when things don't go, well, go your way, but I want you to be fearless in your approach. I want you to be loving all the time. And I know it's not an easy thing to do and your dad can have attitude at times. I don't want you to mimic me. Um, I want you to be kind as possible. And then I will always want you to stand on your principles and what your beliefs are. Um, so I love you. My final thoughts on the Robin Hood debacle. So now that AMC is dead, I'm 10 for 10 with the shorts. <laughs> um, so now the AMC is dead. And then of course, the other players that have been pushed up every day, I want to give my final thoughts on a couple of things. So I said it this weekend, Robin Hood, of course, halted trading because they were going to go bankrupt. It was their version of a margin call. But when you're investing, I want you to type yes or no in chat. Are you sabotaging yourself and your account more than Robin Hood is? And some of you in trading have blown up accounts. Some of you have invested in bad companies and hoped they went up. Let's be very honest. Robin Hood, like all of a sudden, Robinhood ushered in commission-free trading. I remember when the trades were $12.95 to go through, and that was considered a deal. Then all of a sudden, they made everyone else adjust to free commission trading. They have a couple of hiccups, and everybody wants to turn their back. But my thing is, what if this is being done for a deeper reason? What if this is the easiest platform for us to be on, and they see this groundswell of us coming into the market, and they want us to go back to complicated platforms? And they know... If the, if the platforms are complicated, we won't remain on them. So I have no financial incentive with Vlad of Robinhood. Uh, I have nothing to do with Robinhood. I know they've been robbing the hood, but I want you to tell me, <laughs> have you been robbing yourself by not executing in the right stocks long-term and in your trades? Because if you take more than 50, 60, 80 trades a year, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I want to walk you through my blueprint for Xander. So since he's six, this is the plan that I've had. Uh, since he's been a kid. So my parents screenshot this, repost it, but number one, invest in the market um, every single month for him, one index fund. Number two, invest in stocks every single month for him that is either tech-based or the second line I need you to get, whichever sector is a predominant player in the space. So if next decade is all about electronic vehicles and space exploration, and delivering chocolate to Mars, hey, we're going to invest in Mars or whatever chocolate brand there is at that moment. Um, number three, save 500 a month for him in the rookie year, or if that doesn't work, you pick your number. And then the senior year, of course, you want to multiply by four. Okay? This is really key. Number four, save 90% of your money for your child until they turn 21. And then save 80% for him 
uh, until it's 30. So 22 through 30, any money that you get in, please be sure to say, screenshot this and use this for your kids because that's what I use for Xander. Uh, the Futures Program will be back on March 8th. So for those of you who are not able to get in, yes, it's going to be a dollar. There will be no upsell or downsell. There's no continuity. You guys asked for it over the weekend. I'm sure you were blowing up Rashad and Troy and Mike, like, yo, what's up? March 8th, um, it'll be back. But I want to say this. So now we came off AMC, and you guys are telling me it was going to the moon. AMC is going to hit 1,000. GameStop is going to hit 1,000. Now everyone's worried about a pullback. Stop worrying about crashes. We've covered this endless amounts of time. Look, crashes only last for 54 days. We were telling Mike this yesterday, like, they only last 54 days on average since 1980. Okay. There's a difference between a correction, a crash, a pullback, a recession, and depression. These are all just mathematical calculations. So is the market going to come down off of highs? Yes, it'll probably drop 10 to 15%. September and October are the best months to buy. Because historically, those are the two months the market drops the most. Be prepared to load the boat those months. In the summertime, the market drops on. So usually July or August, we have a strong pullback. Be prepared then. But why are you so worried about crashes? Please type this in chat. I want to know. Because if the market crashes, I, we have a lot to gain by saying the market's going to drop. And then we can short it. And for those of you that are doing options, you can do puts. Everybody in futures, we can short ES, Dow, NASDAQ, and make a lot of money off it. But why are you worried? We went through the, one of the worst crashes in history recovered. As long as there is quantitative easing and interest rates are low, we're going to be fine. But maybe we were trained to worry about the crashes to trick you to not invest. To be very honest, when crashes happen, they are opportunities of, of a lifetime for good investors. Please stop worrying about them and dig into them and enjoy them when they happen. Of course, they'll be scary. I didn't want to look at my account in March, but if you invested during the bottoms of that market when we're in the trough, you would have been okay. Top six sites to use for research and, and for all my members in Stock Club, you guys will get the other seven. But Guru Focus, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Morningstar is very good. CNBC or CNBC Pro is better. Mm -hmm. Dig deep. Yahoo Finance, it's yeah. free, but it's, it's underrated. Hey, I know that site. Estimize. And then the last one is Holdings Channel that we talked about last week. You don't need a bunch of sites. You need a lot of execution. And then one of the bigger mistakes that you guys are making is not having a system for how you actually do your research. So do them in order, in this particular order, and you'll be fine. This has been a lot of talking going on on the internet. And I, I want you to screenshot this and share it with your family. Um, these are three questions that you need to ask people anytime that they talk to you about investing, including us. But because I'm very afraid of some of the commentary, and I'm in a bunch of the rooms and a bunch of the group chats and group meetings, and some of the information that is going out is just outright deadly. Um, number one, are you financially free? If the advice was really working and was really that good, the person would apply it and they would have some fruits of that labor. Number two is really important. It's a lot of capital on a few apps that I won't mention anymore. Gohan, how are you? Uh, how many years can you afford to not work? And number three, can you give me one piece of advice that can help me for free that you would not benefit from? Because there's a lot of people that are giving out advice and they're trying to build a brand, but they're not. 
Okay. Um, and can you give me one piece of advice that would help for free, that has no benefit to you? A lot of people are acting as if uh, they're helping you, but they're really trying to build a brand. And then this is what you need to know, tying into the Robin Hood thing. Anytime that something is free, you are the product. You're the thing that's going to, so take Facebook. And I wish, you know, I could have got families to invest in that first round, that, that uh, seed round, right? But anytime that you don't pay for a service, you are the product that is being packaged up and being taken to be sold. So I know sometimes there's some issues about, you know, I have a perception of having a premium, but I think if the returns are high, I should, you know, charge a premium for them. But anytime that you do not pay for something, you are being used. It is much deeper than monetary value. People are looking to exploit you and they understand that they are, that you're excited about the market and don't let people take advantage of you. It's better to pay a little bit now and be completely free opposed to being bundled together like a derivative or an exotic tranche and being taken elsewhere um, and sold to someone else. Talk about candlesticks and let's get into trading. If reading candlesticks was all that you needed to make money in a market, why isn't everybody rich from candlesticks? You can study all the patterns that you want. And I'll ask you guys, you guys have talked to a lot of millionaires. How many of them, the first thing they bring up to you is candlesticks? Uh, never. Uh, I'm no, no. The Cuban bring up candlesticks and he knows how to trade. No. Elon knows how to trade. It's not the candlestick formations, it's risk to reward and defense. <laughs> and I'll let him go into it later. But if it was just doji and a double hammer and a three-legged doji, Everybody <laughs> would do it, and also Sound like wrestling moves. That, oh yeah. Uh, but if that was it, everyone will win. If you go off of a higher time frame, so we were talking about head and shoulders earlier. Yeah, it's better if you go off a higher time frame, like a weekly or higher, for that pattern to work. But you first need to know what the true direction of that asset is. Candlestick patterns will not get you to freedom. The thing is, and I love Steve Neeson, and I love the work that he's done. But a lot of people talk to you about chart patterns and candlestick patterns because they can't give you a clear answer of how to win right now. That's not it. Number one, I've talked about it before. Risk to reward is most important. If you are a terrible trader, you can risk one to make 25 and only win 4% of your trades and still be profitable. Let me be real. If you put in chart time every day, you can win 4% of your trades or 10% of your trades on accident. And then number two, knocking down the number of trades that you take per year. When I was doing my own analysis, I looked back and I'm like, if I cut my trades in half, I probably would have made four X more. So be mindful of that. I was talking to Mac last week about how to hedge. And he was saying, if you have positions in the market long-term, if you're not doing cover calls, how do you hedge? Number one, the biggest asset that you have is time in the market. I know you get tired of me saying it, but the truth does not need to be sexy or packaged up for it to work. The time in the market is the number one hedge. And we were talking about it yesterday at uh, Buttons. Like anybody who trades short-term or invest short-term, you usually get killed if you let it simmer, marinate, cook for a couple of years, you'll be okay. Um, invest in companies with a small drawdown. So we talked about the fundamentals to look for in a company. Add to that list, how much does it draw down per year? That number needs to be underneath 22%. If you have a company that's drawn on an AMC and GameStop drew down 80, it's not a good company to invest in. <laughs> Told you beforehand. And then also not taking your money out of the market is a way to hedge. So people talk a lot about diversification. 
But the biggest trick that people are playing on you is having you invest short term and thinking that you're going to get rich when the real answer is you're going to get rich on the back end. And the greatest determinant factor on whether or not you will be rich or not is two things. One, did you create a business with a serious competitive advantage? And number two, the frequency of which you invest in the market. I want to tell you right now, and you guys have seen me do it in real time, build your own brand. You need a business first that you can depend on. Two, invest in, in entrepreneurs and companies that are better than you, and you will be able to dominate. You need these two things working in tandem to be okay. But the frequency of which you put money into the market is going to have the biggest impact on your life. Because what good is it if you get a killer entry and you only have 75 shares? If that number of shares that you entered at that good entry would not allow you to get closer to freedom, it really doesn't matter. And then let's go back to the moat conversation while we playing defense. And I'm going to let my hoop <laughs> right? So there's a couple of different kind of moats that you want to have. And ideally, you want them to have four out of the eight. So number one, low cost of production. Number two, high switching cost. So if I, if I switch out my iPhone and go to a Galaxy S whatever, I'm going to hate that I'm not connected to iCloud and everything isn't automatically backed up. Number three, net, network effects. So I'll be tied in. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn have all built a community, a network that we're tied into. Number four, intangible assets are very key. The value of the brand is very key. Is it the, so Lakers, Apple, Microsoft, those all have tremendous value and it knocks up uh, the market share price of the company. Brand loyalty is key. So Wiles built brand loyalty, Nike. Uh, even if we go back in the day, Bad Boy, Death Row, like those had brand loyalty and a certain amount of fans that love them no matter what. A high retention rate. So are they not turning over customers constantly? But this is one of the most important ones. You want to invest in companies that almost have a legal monopoly. So at one point, Facebook had that. And Zuckerberg is our generation's gates. Um, and we were talking to Mike about striker. If you've ever been to a hospital, you've seen a striker bed internationally. Um, you need to look at companies that are teetering on the line of almost having the feds come in and, and break them up <laughs> as a monopoly and say, you guys are doing too much. This is antitrust. We need to. Because you, once you have a market court, I'm going to be honest with you. Competition is bad for you as a business owner. I would love if we were the only YouTube investing show. And I love Kramer and everybody else. And I love Josh, right? But if we were the only one, considerably more market share. So look at the companies that have almost a monopoly in their sector. And those are one of the ones that you should look to invest in. And then futures, my last thing. It's what I want you to practice. I want you to practice sizing up. Now, 300 trades, you need to practice before you do this. But 41 contracts, and I want you to go for a target of 16 ticks. If you hit this target, you'll be at 20,500. Trading has considerable risk. It's not for everyone. If you are not disciplined, you should not do this under any circumstances. Consult your advisor first. I already got my glasses on. So I can <laughs> right? And then if you want to create alpha or return for yourself, you need to hit a target that is measurable that you can hit easily. I think any trader can hit 18 trades for the year. Type yes in chat in all caps. If you hit 18 doing this, if that number will change your life.
for some of you, even one trade. But the biggest thing you can do to set your career straight and also have less drawdown is to limit the number of trades. And for me personally, my, I call my plan Black Wolf Alpha, right? You have to only do 18 for the year, knock those out. And then once you are able to do that consistently, the money will pour into you. The thing that I'm seeing in trading right now, everybody's trading and everybody's winning first two months, three months, and month five through 10, you guys are blowing up your account. And then you are having all these devastating horror stories behind it. Cap the number of trades that you can take, set a goal that you can hit on your end and a few trades and you'll be a-okay. I love you guys. And I'm sorry we had mic issues, but things happen as entrepreneurs, you have to learn how to adjust the same way you would in your investment trading plan. That's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Great presentation, as always. Um, and yeah, you know, technical difficulties is part of the game plan. And that's why I like Market Mondays, because it's a live show. So there's always going to be issues. There's always going to be problems. That's, that's what business is about. It's not about what the problem is. It's about how you respond to the problem. Keep your composure. Don't panic. And, you know, try your best. At the end of the day, all you can do is try your best. We try our best. Every Monday, we try our best. Sometimes we have technical difficulties. Sometimes we don't have technical difficulties. But no matter what, we come out um, and we try, to, we try to give the best performance that we can possibly give and give as much information as we possibly can. And, um, you know, hopefully it's um, able to, to change some people's lives. So, you know, sometimes, you know, it, the camera's not going to be great. The audio's not going to be great. Um, Life's not perfect. Life's not perfect. You have to adjust. But also you get to see if we really know our stuff because if everything was just canned and then everything broke down, you can feel if something is off. But life is not perfect and you have to learn to adjust on the fly. I could argue it's probably because it's cold as hell outside. <laughs> <laughs> so, we we got to get you to relocate. <laughs> That's a fact. Oh, man. That boy is here. That boy is here. Guys, type in chat. Is there anything else you would have wanted to learn tonight? Put it in the comments and then we'll grab them and start to answer some. See what we're getting There he goes. The legend himself. Ah. Check, 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 check. Your audio is great. Hey. <laughs> What's going on, brother? What's good, fellas? <laughs> Reunited at last. <laughs> That's it, man. Got that vintage Sean John. I see what's going on over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What up, Mass Investor? How you doing, man? My God, how you doing? I'm honored to finally chat with you, man. You've been cooking for a long time. The pleasure's mine. Absolutely, bro. I had a chance to, to catch the presentation. Appreciate the moves you've been making. You guys are superstars now. You're on <laughs> all over the country. <laughs> Just trying to do the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> nah, John, first and foremost, Welcome to Market Mondays. You've been a you know a, a friend of ours and, and a contributor for Earn Your Leisure several different times. You know you did your, your episode, which was a classic, classic episode, classic. Yes, and then uh, you you was actually on on the hundredth episode with the All Star team for that. So, that's right. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that one. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. So you're a two time EY alumni, but this is your first time making an appearance on Market Monday. So welcome to Market Mondays. It's a culture. It has become a culture within itself. I see that. I see that, man. I, every time I jump on the EYL platform, the first thing I do is salute you guys. Uh, I love watching the moves that you guys make. Obviously, we stay in touch personally, but um, you know, to, to the six point nine thousand 
uh, folks follow watching now and then those who will watch later. I mean, we just yeah. we can't underestimate the importance of the fact that you guys made the move horizontally to be a podcast network. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's one thing to grow a popping ass show. It's another thing to then, you know, be the, the you know, the, the new age Rockefeller Records. Right. And recruit <laughs> talent and mobilize the movement and give folks a, a voice on, on the platform and, and pull collectively. So I, I just think it's a it's a it's a masterclass within it of itself. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have done an episode where you dissected the move and why you did it and so on, but I think that would be a fascinating conversation. I want them to get the edge up. <laughs> <laughs> Too much funny stuff going on already. <laughs> like, even for you, next week is going to be Luke Plus. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, I want to want to commend you guys for the moves um, and watching wow. on and, and supporting as always. And yes, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be on Market Mondays. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. So let's jump right into it. If anybody doesn't know who John Henry is, I don't know how you don't know who he is, but I'll give you a quick rundown. So John Henry is a superstar entrepreneur. He was a star of a TV show. He had a venture capital firm. He had his own cleaning business when he was like 19 years old, which he sold for a million dollars. Angel investor, um, serial entrepreneur. And now he actually started his own auto insurance company. So he's like, a wizard, and he's under 30 years old. So, That's scary, bro. yeah, he's a he's a he's a wizard. So, the way we forgot that he actually owns real estate, too. Oh, yeah, real estate investor, that. big That's time right. real estate. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So what we're going to do now um, is we talk about um, public markets a lot, but we haven't talked about private markets. We, and that's a whole part of the financial space. And you can't have a financial show and not talk about private markets. A lot of people might not even know what private markets are. When we talk about angel investing, we talk about venture capital, things of that nature. So um, I want to have that conversation. I also want to have the insurance conversation. So um, let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it, my good brother. Let's so um, VC, VC, right? Venture capital. So you were on both sides of venture capital. You actually... 
you were you were part of a venture capital firm, Harlem Capital, and um, now you actually received money from venture capital. So you was actually giving out venture capital at one point. Now you have a company where you're actually getting venture capital. So I want to start with a lot of people might have businesses and they approach even us all the time. Like, hey, do you know any VC people? I got a million dollar idea. I want to pitch it to them. But they don't know the proper process. So mm-hmm. what is the process to get venture capital funding? Copy, copy. Okay, awesome. Yeah, no, uh, it's a great conversation. Let's talk about the private markets. It's very connected to the public markets. Um, a lot of the legacy company, any company that you can buy and sell now, and I and I appreciate that you guys uh, are constantly breaking down the public marketplace. It gives me, uh, <laughs> it gives me uh, like whiplash just following the movement. So so I don't have a whole lot of money in the public markets, um, but. Any pub, any company that was public was at once private, right? Before you are valuable enough, such that some, you know, uh, a bank would underwrite you and bring you to the public in, you know, in the form of an initial public offering, you have had to had traversed an entire journey in the private markets, and there is an entire. Uh, wave of value creation that is for a lot you know historically been limited to the few so if you thought it would you had a good deal when you bought beyond meat when you bought levi's when you bought uh airbnb imagine the deal that sequoia got <laughs> imagine right. the deal that why combinator got imagine the deal that their homie by the way who went to college with the founder and had a look at 5k of airbnb when they were worth 10 million got when they went public at a hundred billion, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so the private markets is for me very fascinating because um, for twofold, right? As you mentioned, there's two sides of this table here. It's, hey, can you be a good scout of talent? And uh, unlike in the public markets, you have to elbow your way into conversations, rooms, and you have to have two, Uh, levels of skill you have to one be able to dynamically spot when you think the team is right when you think that the opportunity is right and when you think that the timing is right Um, and then also you need to even be able to be in the conversation such that an entrepreneur would want to give you a look at their deal Um, but then there's a couple of other things happening as well right so that's on the investor side and then the side that I love is a side that rolls their sleeves up and like one thing I just want to say too, there is an ungodly amount of emphasis placed on the investor these days. The VC, how can I pitch a VC? But like the VC ain't doing shit, right? Yeah. The founders rolling their sleeves up, creating values, making judgment calls every day, hiring, firing, busting ass, selling, onboarding, building product, evangelizing. The founder, in my opinion, uh, is really the the hero, the creator of value. And I think that culturally, somewhere along the line, probably because of TechCrunch and Fast Company play so much emphasis on the investor, we forgot to view the founder as a hero, right? And so so those are the two sides of the table going on. It's the, the founder hat being bullish on a vision, stubborn on a vision, you know, obsessed with the vision, mobilizing a team around it, 
and eventually you bring uh, investors into your orbit. Um, and if you're fortunate, like we were at Loop, you can get a little bit of capital and you know, then, then you effectively, you have your swing at it. Um, so that's what's going on in the private markets. Uh, I really love it because it's interlinked to the public markets in a new way and more, more intimate way than ever before, because a lot of the public companies that are making the biggest waves are all venture funded. You have Robinhood making a splash. Clubhouse will go public, guaranteed. WeWork recently filed for IPO via SPAC. I'm not sure if you guys talked about SPACs. I think it's the craziest racket. Um, but there's a lot of companies now that via a traditional IPO or a SPAC, which is effectively like a way to bypass the traditional IPO diligence requirements and still make it to the public markets, venture capital is seeing the biggest wave of liquidity that we've ever seen in the industry. So all these investors that had their money tied up in all these bets, they're making money. And guess what? Guess who's not making money? us because we never had a look at the deal so that and that bugs me right because the majority of the people that made dough and had a look at these companies um you know came from a handful of zip codes in the valley um, and so harlem capital sought to change that and diversify the the um you know how a capital manager looks like and what we look like and then we're changing that as founders as well stepping up to the plate and swinging big Quick question for you. When you were looking to distribute capital, what are some of the traits that you were looking for in the entrepreneur that would be, it'd be an easy, hell yes, I need this company? For me, I look at a founder, I look at economic moats, uh, competitive advantage, but what are some of the things you were looking for when you were like, we have to get this deal pushed through in two or three weeks? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think people always look for like a, a, a easy summary of tips, but the thing that makes venture a lot more difficult is um, in the public markets, you can base your investment based on the past, right? So you base, you evaluate your investment based on historicals. In venture, you often have no historicals. So it's not about getting a good deal on the past. It's about getting a good discount on the future. And you tell me how you go about summing that up. Sometimes it is because the, the founder is an is a X factor. You know, sometimes it's because you're just like, whoa, this person is incredible. Other times you're just like, whoa, the mood, the timing for this thing just kind of makes sense right now. Um, and, and other times you're not completely sure. And, you're, and there's a thin line between, you know, brilliant and kind of crazy. Um, and so to be honest, a lot of times when you are making an investment as a VC, um, you know, you're. <laughs> there's no way to know for sure. And a lot of times you feel like you're honestly, it feels like guessing. And here's the thing though, the reason that the tier one, like 86% of all profits in venture capital went to but six firms. And it's no coincidence that those six firms have been around for two decades, right? It takes 10 years to know if you're good at investing because that's the average life cycle of these venture companies. And so I can sit here and list a bunch of uh, attributes that I think matter, founder, market size, team, traction, whatever. But in reality, until you've been in the game and taking punch, punches for, for decades, there's really no way to know. So my advice to founders is go out there and get it how you can. John, I mean, obviously you were a VC uh, and now you're a founder. And so there are some advantages that you have going into the process of trying to raise funds. 
I'm wondering, are there things that you're, you learned through the process that you were surprised at? Or it was like, mm. you know what? I just mm. came work. I know how it's going to go. I'm a veteran in this. What are some of those things that you learned in the process? I love that question, man. Um, I'm glad you asked it. I think that I was surprised at how much of it came down to intangibles, how much of an investor's eva uh, evaluation of a founder came down to the things that you don't see on the websites like, you know, this is our criteria, you know, because a lot of times, a lot of deals do check the, the criteria on the website, you know, 250K in revenue, you know, this, that, whatever. Um, but in reality, a lot of the times, the thing that made investors move was the classic FOMO. And to be honest, I was, I was torn about that, the, how pervasive that is in venture, right? It's like so much of what makes an investor move is that another investor is moving on it because there's a lack of fundamentals at the seed stage, right? Like, I, like we raised at a $10 million plus valuation at the seed stage, pre-product, pre-revenue. <laughs> I come from small business land where, you know, uh, you, you're, you get a 1X multiple on your revenue. Uh, and so, you know, if you're making a million bucks, your EBITDA is 250K and then you get a 4X your EBITDA. And like, that's the world that we come, venture it is completely disconnected from that. So in a world where there is no fundamentals, in a world where you're not sure if this thing's going to flop or if it's going to turn to a billion, and more recently, tens and 20 and, and $100 billion exits like we've been seeing, you know, I think the code for venture is being rewritten. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to, God damn it, that motherfucker's persuasive. I'm just going to keep it a buck. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, yo, are you the sharpest motherfucker in the room? And I don't mean like, I mean, actually, bro. Like when I was on the market, I knew everything cold about my business. There's nothing you could ask me that I wouldn't know, right? I, I would rehearse the pitches and anticipate when someone could ask me something that would stump me and, and have, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's about being tight, sharp, persuasive. You got to know your numbers cold. There's a, a lot of things going on, but all, all, all told, so much of it came down to how much of a powerhouse you could look like and come across as. John, let me ask you this. Um, the vast majority of people will never have an opportunity to invest in private companies for a variety of different reasons. But that's actually changed a little bit now because this. I, I want to ask you two questions. So the first question is this sites like Republic. Um, I think there's a few others where allow you to it's like, well, you know, what Republic is um, crowdfunding kind of situation. But you, you can invest in private companies with the hopes that the companies can blow up and it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the regular persons, in my, from my knowledge, only that's like their only real shot at investing in private companies before they become public. How do you mm -hmm. feel about those um, type of sites? And are there any other avenues for uh, regular people to invest in private companies before they become public? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm a, I'm a fan of them. Um, I'm a fan of them. I mean, you're, it's not necessarily putting a whole bunch of capital to work. So like if you deploy $500 and you get up, you know, 10x, like it's still it's not really going to change your life. So but I think it's a good way to, to dip your toe in the water. I think for anyone that's that wants to become an angel investor, I would just do it on my own personally, like we did at Home Capital, because 
the the real skill set of angel investing is not like putting 500 bucks to work it's like finding the deal <laughs> right like finding the deal is the hard part so for anyone who's interested yeah you can you know if you want to back a company that's on a platform i think it's a fantastic way to do it i think it's a fantastic way to diversify um the angel investing is the most fun way to lose money though by the way so i wouldn't be like treating it as like necessarily a space where you're going to generate returns respectfully to all the startups out there mine included right it's just an incredibly risky asset class so if you were chasing returns i personally would and am in real estate or you know if for a lot of folks on this show are probably in you know uh dividend yielding stocks some little bit less volatile types of things but if you want to dip your your toe in angel investing it's a great gateway drug to do that um but if you want to actually angel invest, what I would actually recommend is saving up $2,000, find five people that want to do the same thing, and then pulling up a 10K check and trying to get on a cap table yourself. We did a legendary situation where people think of venture capital is like you go to Stanford and you got to have millions of dollars. You started a venture capital firm, angel investing firm with you and, and other colleagues, um, like you said, with $2,000 a piece, I believe. And the last time we spoke, you had got that $25 million um check uh, for lack of a better word i don't know how to put that so right. john you know i'm gonna ask you man can you break down the steps of how how do you start a venture you started a venture capital firm with two thousand dollars and like i said grew it to having funding of over 25 million dollars what are the steps what are the steps john yeah 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 it's a good question the steps are are simple man i mean for a lot of people in here i, I know some of the people listening um, have pulled together their monies to go buy a little investment property, right? So it's the same kind of deal. You form a little LLC, you come up with a cool little brand name, right? Um, it could be whatever, it could be EYL Ventures, for example. I'm not saying you guys should get into the business, but maybe you should, because I'm sure you got a lot of people pitching you guys, right? So right. let's take the three of you guys, EYL Ventures, the three of you guys, you pull, you pull 5K a piece or 2K a piece, 1K a piece, don't matter. And then you pull that money and then cool, you got the venture, you got the brand, you got a little bit of capital set aside, right? And if you if you can't hustle and, and set aside two stacks, then, then you're not ready for this. But if you can, cool. So now you've found people that are driven enough. You have the entity, you have the brand name. Now you got to go find the deal. So this is where reps come into play. You know, we, our first deal was like in a cafe and that caf cafe closed down within two years. <laughs> so we lost a little bit of bread on that. Okay, cool. No sweat. We, we went again, we invested in a dental practice. You know, that one had its problems too. And with COVID even worse. Okay, bet. We made no money on that. Okay, cool. We invested in a media company. We got into Blavity. Ooh, that one had a nice little pop. Okay, cool. And, and then, you know, we kept making bets. And after you make bets, you start to learn a little bit more about your own investment temperament about what you like about what you you know what you feel has a lot of opportunity and so i'm like you rashad i like to learn by doing so you know i, I was never How a school guy i left school you know i just feel like if you're interested in a category put a little bit of bread to work and then you know keep putting a little bit more at a time until you build up your knowledge base and then and then you can eventually convince folks to trust in your stewardship of their capital but if you're brand new, and let's say someone wanted to start tomorrow, how do you find a, a deal in the Valley, or let's say New York, and they've never done a deal before? How would I do it? Okay, bet. Let's go through that. I have no brand name. I'm Joe Schmo. 
right? I want to get into the ship. I put up uh, 2,500 bucks. I got three other friends that would do the same. We have 10K. We want to do it. Okay. So cool. Um, what would I do? I would go on Twitter and type startups or go on Twitter and type in raising capital on Twitter. You can search in or out of hashtag. So literally go on Twitter, look through every motherfucker on that who wrote, who wrote, I'm raising capital, you know, literally go through and say, Oh, this looks kind of interesting. Okay, cool. Like the tweet, yo, you might uh, maybe get at me. I would make a list of the top, you know, personally, I would probably make a list of the top black and brown founders that have already raised venture capital, hit them up and say, yo, do you know any, anyone in your network? You know, they're usually mentoring some people because, you know, you kind of get, you, you usually get the tech crunch wave when you raise a round and then founders reach out to you and say, yo, can you coach me? So, hey, you know, anyone that's raising money, you know, I don't got a whole lot, but I'm down to put a little 10K to work. I can squeeze in there around. I can be competitive. I can, I can move fast. You let me know. Right. And so it's all about these untraditional channels. If events weren't were a thing right now, I'd be doing events. I'd be I'd be chatting up every every comment that I see right here on the EYL network right now. Um, Greg Thompson Jr., who is a brilliant engineer and, uh, you know, co-invested with me on a property is in here and he's a very talented engineer. And you guys don't even know who's in the comments. Uh, he's in, he's, he's EYL in the Zoom chat. He's no, he's in the he's in the YouTube right now. I'm I'm watching the YouTube comments. I'm watching the Zoom. Like guys, there's there's people really on. People are so like fixated on Puffy and Hove and Master P. Shout out Master P. Shout out all those cats. But you're so fixated on who came before that you're forgetting who's right next to you. Right. <laughs> like the people right. who are right next to you are going to be your co-founders. Like I was on the Breakfast Sub. Cool. I'm more excited about being on EYL. No disrespect. You know, you know, they came around. It's like I'm more invested in who's coming up right now. So if people would just focus their gaze on who's around instead of who's been ahead, I think that you could unlock a lot of value. You could find your co-founders, you could find investors, you could find peers, you could find anything, really. John, you said you said that um it's risky, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, and I know you talk about being scared in this process, but you're interested because when you feel scared you feel like that's where you're supposed to be at and you run toward the fear. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man. Uh, hundred percent. Um, I, I just feel strongly about using fear as a compass. Um, a, a few pivotal moments this time, uh, at this point in my career, I've done the scarier thing. And when you do the scarier thing in your career, um, it's usually the less certain thing is usually uh, the thing that the income isn't guaranteed. Um, but, but if you're considering doing it at all, it's also usually because it's, it's got your imagination captured. You know, you guys were educators prior, you know, so someone hit me up today and was like, yo, e, uh, the guys who did EYL used to be my, my camp counselor. So, uh, so someone, someone, to- so, so, someone who's on my media team. So that's crazy. That's great. So yeah, Terrence. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so let's look at that for a moment, right? There's anyone, there's a reason there's 7,000 people listening right now. They all have a vision in their head that's varied from what they're presently doing and they want to nurture this new life. Cool. You could do it on the side. No problem. Eventually, if you're steadfast about nurturing this, you get to a point where you got to make a decision. There was a point where EYL was, was, had grown too damn big. 
for you to be, you know, safe in your home, you had to brave the storm, right? And so like, when you're faced with that option, what do you do? And consistently what I've decided to do is do the scarier thing. Um, and so for me, that was dropping out of school to start my first business. I'm not necessarily recommend, you know, suggesting that. It's just like, that's what I did. For me, that was selling the business. For me, you know, time and again, and most recently it was leaving Harlem Capital. You know, we raised $40 million, bro. <laughs> you know, I was, I was 26 years old, 26, 27, you know, managing $40 million is everything I ever fought for. But I had to be real with myself that I, I am not the fund manager type. I'm not the buttoned up type, no, no disrespect to a massive investor, you know, buttoned up all the way with a tie. But like, but like, I like, I like to just, you know, I like to wild out on Twitter if I want and not have an LP base, you know, you know, come check me. So, so anyway, I'm a really big fan for anyone listening. Um, whatever it is that's capturing your imagination, if you follow it, I promise it's going to be a harder road. But I, I do also promise that if you give me 24 months locked in, your next 24 months are going to look way different. Um, and I'm really glad for having nurtured the bravery um, to follow my path, man, because we're not supposed to be here, gents. You know, from what we're not, we're not supposed to be here. Um, Let's dive in. I, I have three questions I need to ask you. So for the entrepreneur, what's a blueprint that you follow to help you get your success? Because it, there's a lot of conversation about it on Twitter, LinkedIn, but give them the real about how much effort it actually takes to manifest an idea and turn it into something profitable. And then secondly, I want to ask you if you have, you felt like if you had no edge when allocating capital, how much did you put into each deal to make sure you didn't burn through your entire fund? Copy. Um, so the edge, the first question was, what's the edge as an entrepreneur? Yes, like the not the do these seven things, but the real, how many hours you work, how many people you reach out to, marketing press, what, what are some of those things that you've done? Because I can feel the passion. Copy, Corner. copy. Yeah. I, I, so I love this. People reach out all the time and say, yo, how do you get press? I'm like, yo, do some shit that matters. <laughs> That's how you get press. Like, like the reason you're not getting press, the reason you're not getting coverage is because you're not doing anything that's emotionally resonant to people. People swear that there's a fucking formula that you can, and if you have just the right call to action and just the right copy that you can trick someone into buying. Yeah, cool. You'll get a few suckers, but that's not how you build a business. So in my, in my opinion and what I followed is you start with a really resonant mission. Mission opens doors that profit can't. And there's a way for you to align yourself with mission within your respective business. EYL has a broader mission about mobilizing the community that is expressed through a media platform. If you're in cosmetics, you can tap into a mission of, of highlighting African beauty, for example. And so when you, now we're talking about brand building, it's less so about the product per se, like at Loop, we don't, we sell insurance, but really it's about the guts beneath it. And when you do that, you can mobilize the press to write about you. You can mobilize people to join you, investors to join and so on. So that's my high level takeaway. Practically, what I would say for anyone who's interested in like getting coverage or whatever, um, Go and Google a competitor of yours. There's a tool called a backlink monitor, backlink monitor. You can go to backlinkmonitor.com, for example, and you can type in your competitor's website and any one of those tools will show you 
any other website that's pointing to their website. So if there's if someone had written about them on on Forbes or on a blog or and or they're running ads, you'll be able to see all their web activity pointing back to them. So what I would do then is if I find an article from Wall Street Journal, I would find I would click on the article, read it, find the the author, type their name onto Twitter, they're usually on Twitter, and tweet at them and say, yo, I really loved this piece. We're doing something similar at insert company name. You know, maybe we can connect off it, uh, you know, connect offline about this. And if you do that for a hundred writers, you should be able to get a few people to pick you up. That's exactly what I did. And, uh, you know, people will hear this blueprint and won't execute it, won't execute on it. But then you will go hire a a PR firm who will under deliver when in reality, you could just do it for, you know, a few hours a a night. If you do it, you'll be, you know, it'll get you all the press coverage that you need. Yeah, man. John always dropped the gems, man. Walked away from forty million, and and and, the, and when the, I was just, well, I was that was it. Well, it's not like he had forty, but I'm saying yeah. the company when y'all got that money, and then like a week later he left. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> that's crazy, man. That, that, that's the crazy part. As soon as you left, I text you. I'm like, you did. I know you got something big. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so did. Something, I remember I mean, that. I, I want to talk about the insurance, but before I just got one last question about VC. I remember last time we spoke to you about VC, you said 80% of MMA um, is happening between 150 and 200 million price mm-hmm. point. And it's mostly on the coast, New York and California. So it's crazy because like, I want you just to kind of explain that because I think we just got to think, even if we're not at that level yet, we got to think broader range. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of times we think like $50,000 or $10,000 is real money, $100,000 or even a million dollars, like the average deal is between 150 and two, 200 million. Um, so <laughs> what, 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 t- t- talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for sure, because I think, I think the reason that that statistic is true is because, you know, it skews towards, you know, the, the average skews larger because, you know, the larger transactions move, you know, they're so much larger than the small ones. Um, but also shit that's worth buying is usually big right and so if you're talking about selling a business like if the business is too nascent like i couldn't sell loop right now no one would want to buy it from me it's got it's got a little bit of buzz but all i got is like a google drive full of notes you know what i'm saying like usually by the time you get to the point where you're transacting and you're unloading or acquiring a business or in the master investors case teaching you all about which stocks to buy, it's a mature company with robust processes and so on. And so I really am a fan of building, you know, intrinsic value and locking in and building for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. You know, I, I really feel like if you start a company, if you're fortunate, it is going to be a 10 year ride at a minimum. So if you can't see yourself doing something for minimum of, a, of 10 years, I wouldn't start it personally. And by the way, I know that there's going to be some people that listen and say, well, I just came across this click funnels thing. I'm thinking I could do a little quick hack. That's fine, man. But like, yo, your time is precious, my G. And like for you to invest in something because you feel like you can, (laughs) that's not how I measure my time. Like I want to do shit that lights me up. I'm ready to rock. I'm going to put my all into it. And people can tell when you do that. 
and that to me is is a is a winning formula a lot more so than um, doing something quick for the cash. So, so anyway, when entrepreneurs do lock in around that with with that kind of attitude on a venture for ten years, that's when the entities grow in value. And when you have repeatable processes that can run without you, that's when the valuation starts to get very interesting. And once you grow to a certain tier, your your business is valued based on a multiple of your revenue, right? So in the insurance industry, for example, your business is valued at 13X your revenue. So let's dissect this for a moment, right? If you grow a business to, if I grow Loop to be $10 million of revenue, which I do anticipate I should do within a couple of years, then a 13X multiple, that's $130 million valuation. Now, would I take that if someone said, yo, come and buy this, uh, we're going to buy this for 130. This sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but my VCs didn't sign up for a 130. And also consider the fact that I sold a good chunk of the business, right? To my seed investors. So I sold a chunk to them. I sold, I gave a chunk to my employees. And so now I got to think, damn, by the time I build it to 10 million of revenue and is worth 130, um, if I cash out here, um, that's cool, <laughs> but like you're usually growing at a, at a you know at a decent rate. So you say, you know what? Let me let me rock out for a little bit longer and see if I get this bad boy to fifty million. Once you're at fifty million in revenue, if you multiply that by thirteen x, so so you, so you guys start to see. <laughs> so you start to see why the why the windows why they get to what they get to. But quickly, let me just break down some uh, some uh, multiple valuations for some other industries. If you're in media, as you guys are, is usually three x your revenue. So whatever your revenue is, you multiply it by three x. If you don't like where what that brings you to eyl, as a lot of founders don't when we're early, we say, nah, I'm going to build this up until I can get the number that I, that, that, you know, that I want to have. Right. And so if you're out, you know, 500 K in revenue, three X that is 1.5 million. Would you sell it for one? Would you sell earn your leisure for 1.5? Again, no. a lot of money, no. but nah, <laughs> a lot of, no, no. a lot of value to unlock. Now, if you grew EYL to 5 million in revenue, and then they offered you 15 mil, okay, more reasonable, but I still think there's a lot more than that. Right. And so that's the founder's dilemma. Right. If you're in cosmetics, it's also a three X. If you're in AI, get this, by the way, if you're in AI or data or some shit like that, 25 X. What about what about what about education? Six. So so you six X, six to eight X. Because I think this is really important for entrepreneurs, because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs jump into a business and don't know what the outcome could be. Please tell them where they can research. Yo, I, that's that's a good question. Uh, let me let me search around. I know this shit cold just from like. This from. Okay, okay. You brought the plug. Hey, you got it. You got it. Either you got it. You got it. Man, like this apple from the apple orchard. So, John, man, that EYL valuation of five years is serious. Then. That's so so so. But but to your question, Rashad, like. That's why the average M&A mergers and acquisition activity gets to that range, because it's not like that you got 100 million in revenue, it's that you got revenue of X amount, and then based on the industry, and you're getting the multiple. Now, now get this for a moment, if I could just riff for a second. 
So whenever you're in technology, remember, I said AI is a 25X. I'm in insurance as a 13X, but I'm an AI-driven insurance company. So now you can, get a, you can get a blended multiple. I might not be able to get a 25X, but I'm a motherfucking salesman. So when it's time to sell Loop, and if we're at, a, if, you know, if we're at let's say, 50 million in revenue, and they're trying to give me a 13X, I'm going to say, yo, but we got a lot of data. We got this. We got that. I'm holding out for, you know, it's like, it's like Hope says. He's like, uh, they talking 250. I'm holding out. <laughs> I'm holding out for three. 275, I just might agree. So, so it's all subjective. I want people to understand that valuation is really all subjective. It's based on what you could uh, reasonably defend. And it's based on market comps. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think earn your leisure can command a multiple because I don't think that you guys should be up here at 3X because you have a lot of intangibles and a lot of brand that you can stretch and make it a 5X, for example. So, so valuation is subjective, man. I thought it was, a, it, it was a really great question. I hope that people understand this is the underpinnings of venture, for example, which then grows up into public markets. In venture, when I was raising my round, I came with a, with a valuation. I came up with an aggressive one. And they said, well, why? And I said, because I'm a G and because my co-founder <laughs> and because we have, we have this, we have that. And so it all depends on what you could sell. If you could sell it, great. If you can't, you got to adjust. John, how old are you, John? Uh, 28. I turned 28 in January. 28. Well, happy, happy birthday. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. When I first met John, you know, the first time I, I was like, uh, you know, what books do you recommend? He was like, I don't even fuck with books. I'll be honest. <laughs> he was like, I know, like, but I say, I say, some people just they got it. Got God-given ability to just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes in life, you just you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're just a brilliant, you're just a brilliant person, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, wow, I appreciate that, fellas. Damn. What you ask is like where to get this from? He's the source. Like, you know what I'm saying? Was. Yeah, follow him. Watch the podcast episodes. Watch his podcast. He got, his, he got a podcast. Like, Sometimes you just can't learn stuff in books. Like even even me, like I, you might ask me a question about social media, and it's like what resources I can't. I, I had to figure it out on my own. Yeah, yeah. The only way I can really tell you is if I can actually verbally tell you. I can show you. I can't tell you a resource to how to grow your social media following because I I'd have had no resource. There was no book for that. Mm-hmm. We had to figure it out. We had to figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you were deploying capital, what was the exit you were looking to get? Because of course, when you invest in, let's say, twenty companies, maybe two would give you 
the return that you need when the other ones fail? Where will you look at the 50 X? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I could, I could dive into this. I don't know how many people here are like super in the weeds on venture capital, but effectively I'll break it down this way. Um, so when you, for, for loop, for example, and a lot of C companies out there, if you are truly pursuing venture, I don't mean like you got a restaurant and you think you want to be venture. I don't like, I mean, like if you're truly for those listening, if you really want to go into venture and you want the understanding of like the, the seed market today, because it will change in a year, it changes every year more or less, but, uh, uh, you should give up about 20 to 25% of your company. Right. And the valuation on average will be between four to 10 million. 10 million is the higher end. If you, you know, are a stronger multi-time founder, whatever, 4 million is the nascent end. And um, you should be looking to raise. I know it sounds preposterous, but like, yo, the seed rounds are growing. Like, you know, we closed on a $3.25 million seed round. That was a jumbo seed back in the day. And I, I came out like, yeah, I got it. And then I've been watching all these announcements, three, four, five. I was like, damn, okay, the, the seed rounds are growing a little bit. So if you're a founder, aim to give up about 20 to 25% of your business, uh, value your business anywhere from four to 10. How do you make that valuation? You honestly, you make it up based on comparables in the market. If you're in beauty, I would research a bunch of beauty businesses that maybe the last three to five transactions to close and try to back into what their valuation was, call them, ask them, figure it out. Um, and then as an investor, if you make 10, 10 investments, five are going belly up, zero. Three of them uh, made you a 1X. So now you're negative because you made a 1X on those deals, but you lost on five. Um, one of them will have a modest little 10X. So now you've broken, after nine deals now, you've broken even. So congratulations. You just have literally broken even. But then you, you venture is an outliers business. Recently, the guys at Harlem Capital hit me up because I'm no longer in the fund, but I still have my ownership in fund one. And they were like, yo, we got an exit. I was like, yeah, boy, what is it? And it was like, you know, modest exit. So the venture is an outliers business where, you know, you just have to consistently seed entrepreneurs and working on things that you really believe in and do that consistently over time. If you make one-off angel investment, you will lose your money. I would not recommend getting into angel investing unless you're going to take a position and do it consistently over time and make three bets a year, let's say for five years. And then, you know, to your question, man, who knows? Did Robinhood seed investors know that they were going to pop off? You know, everyone says that they look for a multiple, but in reality, um, bet because you believe strongly in the founder and the opportunity and then let the multiples, you know, shake out the way they do. That's my opinion. Now, you said that Loop is an insurance and AI company. Um, yes. You got a unique way of tracking people uh, and granting insurance based on the way they drive. So I'm wondering, are there specific software companies and technology companies that you guys have worked with for the AI? Or is it like proprietary software that you're using? Um, great question. Uh, and quickly, I appreciate all the comments. Uh, I have it here off to the side. I'm, I'm watching them. I appreciate you guys, man. Uh, just a tight-knit community. You guys built something special. Um, Antonio, Prudent Mom, Ruel Black, Patrick P Payton, Peace Music, um, Bird, Lynn, you know, people like shout out sometimes. Appreciate you guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, 
Um, she's she's a loyal. She's she's loyal. She's loyal. That's what's up. That's what's up. Noemi, I see you guys. Jay Turner, Shazam. Okay, bet. So now, explain loop. People saying explain loop. All right, bet. So listen. Long story short, is insurance is racist. Okay, I don't mean to sound alarmist, but here's the thing: you are priced based on your demographic data, right? And by the way, in the 1960s, when we couldn't get FHA loans, and I'm sure you guys have covered that here, but it's like FHA loan is like when you can buy a house for 3% down. But in the 1960s, famously, Blacks were excluded from that, which by the way, that was the number one driver of, of wealth in this country for a lot of white folks. We were systematically excluded from that. And people point to the banks, but it wasn't the banks. The banks wouldn't loan because the insurance companies wouldn't insure certain zip codes. So that was like the history of redlining, right? So when you look at it, it's like insurance was really the silent culprit. Insurance companies, insurance backstops trillions of dollars of, of activity. You can't get a whip without insurance. You can't get a loan without insurance. My, I'm in one of my investment properties right now. I couldn't, you know, I, I mean, I'm in the middle of selling a building and what they were running title today. Hey, who's your insurance company? Everyone wants to be insured, all right? So this is really like the underpinning of a lot of society. And when you peel the curtains back and you see your price based on your income, your credit score, where you went to school, and what you do for work, which has nothing to do with how you drive. It's got nothing to do with a lot of things, man. And so when I took a look at that, I was like, well, so what's the impact of that? Because I know I, you know, I grew up in a very poor household. So like my mom, you know, is lower education, lower income, you know, you know, didn't go to school. So, so what does that mean? It means that communities of color are paying sometimes two times as much as upper middle white, middle-class white person. In fact, so I was speaking with my head of insurance today. If you are an upper middle-class person that graduated college but has a DUI and has speeding violations, you get a better price than someone who's low income and uh, and bad credit, but a safe driver. Hmm. Bro, isn't that America in a nutshell? If you're privileged, went to college, but have a DUI and mad speeding, you get a better price than someone who's poor just because they're poor someone who's coming up doing their thing. So, so what happens is in insurance, people, there are some people that get excellent rates, but then here's the thing. Their great rates are subsidized by people that are put on the opposite end of the spectrum and unfairly so. So at Loop, what we're doing is like, bro, we're, man, I'm locked in on this, bro. I, I was passionate. I did not want to start a brokerage company. I didn't want to create a cool little, website that then sold you State Farm. I wanted to create a vertically integrated insurance company, soup to nuts, control the experience, ensure you, you're being insured by loop, control the underwriting, control the policy administration, control the tell everything, right? Because I feel like how could we expect a system that wasn't built by us to consider the impact that it has on us? So, so anyway, so loop, what, what we do, we, we have removed all these things from our, from our policy. We've removed credit. We don't look at what you work, uh, what you do for work. We don't look at your education. We don't look at your income. 
we measure only what matters, which is how you drive and where you drive. And we believe that those are the only two things that really should go into your price. And the byproduct is a lot more equitable insurance for our communities. So for all the, for all you guys watching, man, I mean, they're saying drop the link. I'm going to drop it right here. It's loopinsure.co. Te so, text it to me, John. I'll put it in YouTube bet. also. Bet, 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 bet. John, right what now. you said is um, so true. And it's crazy because nobody really ever thinks about insurance like that. And insurance is probably one of the biggest, it is one of the biggest businesses in the world. Warren Buffett has an insurance company. Mm -hmm. uh, People don't even realize like insurance is, is crazy. So can you talk about the the, the business of insurance? Because from my understanding, Love it. um talk about on the Breakfast Club where they get paid up front and they invest the money in like bonds, and that's why they take a long time to pay you out because your money, your insurance premiums are actually getting invested. And that's true whether it's life insurance. I've worked in the financial services industry for years, so I understand that that's how life insurance works. It's like they're they're investing your money which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's important for people to understand the business of insurance. That's a great, that's a great call, man. So um, yeah, the, yo, Warren Buffett's portfolio at Berkshire Hathaway was made cohesive by the acquisition of Geico. There's a reason that he bought Geico, yeah, right? Tyler, it's please. not because of the fucking gecko, right? <laughs> it's because insurance is a very, very cash rich business. Because think about it guys, insurance is a regressive tax. You're paying for the service ahead of any incident happening and the incident may never happen. So everyone, think about this at scale now, everyone is paying into the pot, right? So what you have is a very cash rich business now, you have responsibilities as an insurer. You have to pay out claims when they happen and so on. And it's coming from a collective pot. But guess what? There's a float. There's a time between when you get paid, when the insurance company gets paid, and then if, God forbid, anything happens when they pay you out. And so what they do, what Warren Buffett does, you have this enormous uh, balance sheet of a lot of free cash flow. And the majority of an insurance company's profits come from invested premiums, not from underwriting, not, not because they're such good selectors of risk and they price you so well that they make a lot of money from the same amount that went in and versus goes out. They collect all the cash and then they invest it, which is a smart business play. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying yeah. that it, it makes you adverse to the customer. If you're incentivized to invest the premium and and make money on that for as long as it's out, then you know you're gonna want to be slow on paying the claims, and and so anyway, so that's what it is. If effectively, insurance is a giant bank, right? Insurance companies are giant banks, and guess what? They're faceless. There there's a reason that they invest so much in mascots and ridiculous humor. And I don't know if you guys saw the Super Bowl yesterday, just like yeah. ridiculous commercials, right? Because they just have to imprint themselves in your head and like systematically indoctrinate you with yo when you when it comes time to make the decision, think of us. And so at Loop, man, like this this ties in perfectly to what we were talking about before to venture capital. Like I can't think of a category where people actively like dislike their insurers. 
I mean, I went on Twitter and I typed in car insurance and someone wrote fuck car insurance in all caps. I'm like, I, no one does that about their cafe. <laughs> like no one feels that way about any category. And so anyway, just to tie it all, all up, it's like, I feel really passionate that this is a re- insurance has gone by largely untouched, man. And shout out Killer Mike, who's doing something in financial services, you know, in, in banking. But that's the sexier cousin. Insurance is a beast. It's complex. It's regulated. It's difficult. It's capital intensive. And as a result, by the way, for those listening, I had a really hard time on the venture capital trail, even though it's not my first rodeo, because people are like, yo, you sure you want to do this? This shit is difficult. I don't know if insurance, you know, a lot of people of color, like, what about your fraud? Like, peop- yo, people had shit to say. And that's when I knew that this was something worth doing, man. I, I think that building a community first brand that's rooted deeply in the people and that is just more equitable is gonna be, um, is gonna be really powerful. Who, who's eligible for the insurance? Like, is there an age demographic that, that is eligible for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so, the, so insurance is regulated on a state by state level. Right. So if it was federal, it'd be easy. I get approved federally I'm, and I'm available everywhere. But loop is uh, insurance is regulated on a state by state level, which makes it more complex because then you have state insurance commissioners and you have, you know, different regulatory bodies and so on. So we had to pick selectively which market are we going to go in first and then which ones are we going to seek approval in afterwards. So the first market we're going live in is Texas. Gargantuan market is one of the biggest auto markets in the country, right? Biggest, biggest state, most biggest population, 28 million people live in there. A lot of communities of color, Dallas, Houston, Austin, what's up? El Paso, Rio Grande. I'm moving to Texas, by the way. I just don't like Art, doing shit from Art. a distance. I'm rolling Art. my fucking sleeves up. I'm moving to Texas. I'm Every, moving to Austin. Everybody leaving, everybody leaving New York. Where, where, <laughs> yeah. where part, I mean, what part of Texas are you moving to? I'm moving to Austin, right next to Elon Musk. What's good, baby? <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 so we'll be live in, in, in Texas. Then we're going to be in Illinois, Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York. We're coming guys state by state, but listen, I, I really need the community support on this. We're venturing to do something that just has not been touched in decades. So if you guys could go to loopinshore.co and just join that wait list, that is such a huge help to us. It helps build our momentum. It helps build our community, our audience. I see people right here, uh, I live in Houston. I just joined the wait list. I appreciate you guys. Um, it's going to take a, a million man army, but, um, and woman army, but we're, we're ready for it. Uh, insurance was right for disruption. If you will, when you were going through your stack for how to build a competitive advantage, what were the things you were mm. looking at and the weaknesses that you saw that would give you an edge? And as a follow-up in this era, do you think it's an asset or a liability to be an African-American entrepreneur in this era? Ooh, ooh, good questions. Um, so yeah, great question, right? Because before you had asked me that in isolation, right? You said, yo, what, what were the, what are the things that you look for, right? Now we've contextualized it around an opportunity. So it's a little bit easier to dissect because every situation is different. So in this particular case, I saw, what are the downsides? A lot of fucking competition, like you said, competition, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's a little scary. So I'm like, all right, cool takes a lot of money, a lot of established incumbents. Damn. All right, bet. Okay, so what are the upsides? 
I looked and I saw a lot of active, you know, either apathy or distaste for this. So, so sometimes a large space could feel intimidating because there's a lot of competitors. But if you look at the underlying sentiments, if you feel that there's a lot that there's room in the for the consumer to to gravitate towards your brand because you can do it differently then that to me starts to get interesting and another thing that i look for is yo am i willing to go for the to the mat for this like i'm not selling auto because i love like auto insurance like i love the idea of the fact that this is an underpinning of our society that's been overlooked and, and it's really, really impacting communities of color and no one's addressing it. And so if you can combine a really deep passion or really strong why for doing it and you feel like there's room to do it differently, um, then the, the other consideration is like, all right, bet. Well, shit, can you, <laughs> can you, it's, it's one thing to have a fluffy brand. It's another thing to have like, you know, differentiate a way of, of in, in insurance's case, you have to have a lot of sophistication around underwriting and things of that nature. So my co-founder was able to help there. But um, yeah, guys, in, in any business that you guys are, are working on right now, um, the strong why, I really go back to that. I know a lot of people lead with numbers and they say, yo, don't, you know, don't let your, your, um, don't let your, your heart get, get to your head. I say the opposite, man. Don't let your head get to your heart. That's just how I roll, man. Like for me, you're going to be pitching at your best when you're on fire. So if you're on fire about the opportunity, bet. If you feel like there's a void, right? Like there's a million podcasts, guys, but you still did it because there was a void. There was something in the market that you didn't feel was being satiated and you found your niche, you found your community. So if you feel like there's room, then there's room. And then lastly, you got to back into the skills that you're going to need for it. So for example, in order to build an insurance carrier, you need strong marketing chops and you need strong underwriting chops. So if you have the why and you feel like there's room, then you got to build the team that has the core skills that you're going to need in-house. I'll tell you this, if you are outsourcing a core competency, so in other words, if you have a core skill that you need to build a business, right? And you know, it's core. If you outsource that, you're, you're fucked. You're, you're very vulnerable. You need to bring the things that are core in-house. Anytime you can do that, you're strengthening your, your, your uh, probability of succeeding. You know what? And it's, it's like a lot of times um, we got to appreciate the moment. We use um, Charles is spectacular. We put him in Miami and uh, we've had a conversation. And, I was, and at the end of the conversation, we talked for like an hour. And um, he was like, yo, y'all should have cameras rolling at all times. And I'm like, yeah, it's documentary. And I'm like, um, you know, this is history. Like this conversation is history. Mm -hmm. Like we are, we live in history. So it's like a lot of times people don't fully appreciate things until the moment is over. Mm -hmm. So like when you see John, John Henry 10 years from now, and he's like a billionaire. A billionaire. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You, <laughs> see, you see EYL with that. $500 million valuation. Let's go. <laughs> like, this is, you, you're watching history. Fact. It's black history. We are black history. Yeah. American history. No month neither. Every wow. day. World. Yo, and it's Black History Month. Damn, I didn't even think about that. I think that's a great point, Rashad. And, and it touches on what we were talking about earlier. Like, I have a lot of respect for the greats, man. They paved door, you know, they, they paved the way and they opened doors for us. Um, and I really wish that people would actively look around at who's around right now 
and realize that, you know, we're, we're creating the future. Um, and it's across categories. And, and that's also one of the reasons why um, I did feel strongly about the insurance thing. For example, just because, yo, this is not a talking point. Like it's for real. Like when, like when that George Floyd shit happened, bro, I like, I get chills thinking about it. Cause I was like, damn, we got to stop waiting on these systems to be fit. Like I felt like these fix, these systems would be fixed for us. Like, yeah, surely someone would, you know, sh- surely someone would go and do and go fix it. But it's not bro. They have, they have their, their foot on our necks. And I don't mean like white people. I just mean like in general, the way these systems have been built, have their foot on our necks. And, and I feel like we got like, no one's going to do that shit for, for the 7,000 people listening right now. Like, like whatever vision it is that you have in your head that you feel like could be done different. Guess what? It's not going to be done different by someone else unless you step up and do it. Um, and it might be done by a competitor in a similar way, but it would never be done the exact way that you have in your head. So that to me was just like a shockwave, man. When I seen that shit happen, I was like, yo, there's not even any time to swing small. Like we got to swing big, man. We need structural change. So anyway, um, I resonate with that. I woke up just yesterday um, morning and a shout out to my bro, Neil Davis. He had heavy, he's, he's great with acronyms. And he was just like, yo, now is the moment. Like no, no other, no opportunities wasted. Do it now. Right. And so like, you're doing that. Obviously we did that with EYL. But there's plenty of people, shout out to all the earners in here, mm-hmm. that are just on that fence. Like, yo, just take the imperfect action and do it. It's going to be your way. It'll be different. But it adds to the community, man. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. John Henry is that guy. He is a, a living legend, man. And we're, we're happy to be a part of this journey with you, bro. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And uh, I'll just, just some parting words. Uh, my lead investor, um, you know, when I jumped on a first call with him after he invested, he was like, yo, don't be scared to spend the money. He said, the bet is now. He said, I didn't invest in loop for 2023. He said, the bet is now like, like guys, I, I, I want people to palpably understand whether you're in private markets, doing a side hustle, whether you're in the public markets, markets change. There is no, like, this is the first year ever after Corona after COVID, there is no year ever that's that like, there's no blueprint for this year. <laughs> like, like literally COVID was so fundamental that it's like the birth of Christ. And like, I don't mean to be blasphemous, but I mean, like, you know how we have BC, AD, like, like it's like before Corona, after Corona, mm-hmm. this is, it's fundamental. Business will never be the same. Markets will never be the same. There's a whole wave of opportunity right now that's uncharted. And I really feel strongly that, you know, markets change, guys. Like these opportunities, there's always going to be opportunities, but the opportunities that exist today are not going to be around in the next year. So, um, so make that move, guys. Uh, make that move. Buy, you know, whatever EYL courses out there. Buy whatever stock you feel you need to buy. Um, do what you got to do, fellas and 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 ladies listening. But um, but, well, but but don't sit on your ass. Do anything but that. Uh, you know, and I'm not concerned with this community, but, um, but yeah, man, uh, pre- appreciate being on with you guys, man. For sure. For sure. The movement is now. Yeah. Well, one final question before we wrap up, can you give all the entrepreneurs listening a piece of advice that is actionable 
but that it is not fluff. So not like sure, not like mission, you know, like follow your like, fucking heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, because it's like it's information that is sold in for books. And then there's actually the real information behind the scenes that we have to do on a daily. And I want to yeah. break that paradigm. Um, can you tell them something that you would have wanted to know in at 22 or 23 to maybe help you get here faster? Yeah. I, so it's a great question. And for me, man, the value of being a practitioner has been amazing. So for example, like there, I'm shocked at the amount of people that have an opinion formed around something that they've never done. <laughs> like, like, you know, people will say, yo, you know, don't use LinkedIn ads. I bet you, you never ran a LinkedIn ad in your life. Right. Like, like for me, the, the actual value of being a practitioner is like, you would be shocked at the amount of people that don't actually, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what the verb is, but like practition, like try something, right? Just try, try it. So for example, like with Facebook ads, guys, do you realize that right now, still you get charged one cent per impression? Yeah. If anyone here, cause you had asked for, for, uh, uh, for entrepreneurs or stocks or whatever, if you take your cosmetics business, take your media business, take your t-shirt business and shoot a video, one cent per impression you could put ten dollars behind it and you you know you could really you can get thousands of eyeballs for that t-shirt you know how many people how many doors would you have to knock on to to uh, get the same kind of uh, attention so for me i really feel like we are in a unique market environment where there's a lot more emphasis placed on brand than ever before so whatever you whatever you have at your disposal to build your brand um I highly would recommend investing in the development of your brand, not necessarily your product, although I believe in that, not necessarily in sales, although I believe in that. It's the infusion of your why into what you sell is brand. And to the extent that you can nurture and develop your, your, your brand and storytell around it and invest in content, like guys, that's made for me all the difference. You know, the fact that, when I step into a room, there's context already. There's no small talk. They're familiar with the journey. We can get right down to it. You know what I mean? Um, that I think is a unique opportunity to this generation. And I think that for anyone listening, you will never go wrong investing in development of your brand because it follows you everywhere from project to project. So that's what I have for folks. Um, for anyone listening, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. It, it, it means a lot. Um, you know, uh, man, I've been doing this for a long time and just been given without, without asking for anything. And I'm cashing in right now. If I've brought you any value whatsoever, if you go to loopinshore.co and you just join the wait list, um, that would mean a lot to me. Um, but thank you guys. I'm looking forward to transforming industries. I'm looking forward to growing with you guys. Uh, you guys are doing very, very special stuff, man. Um, shout out to the platform your social media handles and um all of that stuff let, let them know that before you leave as well 100 100 is at john henry style so uh john henry style follow me on instagram that's my main channel i'm also on twitter i'm also on linkedin you can catch me anywhere how, how can we invest how can you invest in, in, in loop in, oh in loop. oh oh so so 
I have a fun thing that I'm that we're gonna do. We're we're gonna go right back out to the markets and raise another twenty million dollars is my goal sometime this year. And I am gonna open a small tranche for the community. Um and and so it ties it into the crowdfunding piece. I yo, how dope is this, right? How dope is it for an insurance company to open up a tranche and say, yo, not only could you be insured, but you could own this shit. And by the way, I'm not talking about owning Berkshire Hathaway shares when they're, you know, worth, you know, uh, $250 billion. I'm talking about buying shares on the ground floor. And as we grow as a community, as the company grows, like your guys actually, you know, you guys shares grow and the value grows like that to me is such a powerful thing. Like the idea of, like we're gonna turn this shit on its head, yo. Like I, I think that insurance slept on communities of color for too long, and we're gonna build a business in their blind spots. The same people that they overestimated, that they underinsured, and that they overpriced is gonna be the same reason why we get to a billion dollar valuation within a few years' time. So we got um, money in. It's done. Yeah. You're gonna Let's be in go. <laughs> He's already on the phone. Then you're gonna be in Atlanta. Gonna yeah. be like, Go on, <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, 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 thank you guys so much. Um, hey, I have a question for you guys real quick. Um, man, I'm just super curious to know, like, can you guys share a, a little bit of a preview of like, what's a business move that you guys have been considering um, that, you know, one that you can share that might be on the roadmap? You know, I love the the media business, man. Like, you know, I'm not in it at the moment, but like, I, I, I love dissecting you guys moves from afar. Can you talk about one business move that you guys are cooking up some some strategic element? Are you looking at acquiring a media property? Are you look like what? Now, tell me, tell me what you guys are thinking about that you can share. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, EYO Network is pumping. We talked about that before. The last time you was on the hundredth episode, and that's something that it, you know it's like one thing that all right, we got a, a cool show and people like it, but we develop great relationships with a lot of great people, and um, you know we felt like we can help other people develop their their shows and, and give creators a voice. That's the hardest. The hardest part is to get somebody to listen mm. to you. Mm. Once you get somebody to listen to you, if you if you if you got something to say, that's the easy part. The hardest part is how do people know who you are when there's a million people out there in the world that's everybody's talking. So EYL Network is something that um it's off and it's up and running right now, bro. It's uh we're looking to have three shows in the top 100 by the end of next week. God willing. Yes. No, I'm talking about EYL Network. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, three word, three shows on the top. We got two shows right now. We're gonna have three shows. So shout out to Dave Chan. Shout out to Sleep uh, Social Crew Podcast. Shout out to Ash Cash, um, Inside the Vault, and of course, of course, Market Monday. So, like just like how you said, as far as just growing um, laterally, looking at those valuations, and you know, looking at um, you know add dollars from corporations and mm-hmm. give them too much. <laughs> so yo, you know that's 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 what we focused yeah, on bro yo one thing too goes go ahead try yeah, the blueprint's been laid we, we just found way and, and added our spice to it so if i love it man the, the space like we watch the space it's like all right we can do that we're gonna add our spice to it eyl network is the move yo one thing too just while we're on the media business because i love it um so interestingly a lot of the IP that went into that developed movies came from books before, but now it's actually podcasts. And so this is like one inside insight that I have because I used to host for Gimlin Media, which was acquired by Spotify. But a lot of their podcasts were becoming IPs that were being syndicated into films and television shows. I'm sure you guys have come across that. So interestingly, um, uh, EYL 
could be in a position not only to like mobilize creators and give and give these folks a voice, but just also incubating IP with shared ownership that could then be licensed and distributed across different networks and different formats. It's a very, very, very powerful thing that you guys are sitting on. And by the way, speaking on multiples, when you get into the IP business, now we're talking 18x valuations, by the way. So, so that, so you guys moving laterally like that, that's how you guys are able to get those blended multiples. And that's why we said EYL is never going to be a three X, you know, multiple because you know, you got, you got those blends going on. So, so what was the 18%? What was the 18 multiple? It's an 18, 18x. IP libraries trade at 18x. Yep. So, what about consumer facing tech? What about what? The multiple for consumer facing tech. Consumer is a high multiple, man. Consumers bananas. Uh, like there, there's a reason why a lot of the unicorns in technology are consumer. Robin Hood, Oscar, Lemonade. You know, like because the, the valuations are, are bananas and the, the market potential is gargantuan. The tough thing is the the competition. But the way you solve for that is creating beautiful brand, which is why I think consumer fintech like Loop, for example, if you compare segmentation, brand and um, and oh, uh, and got a nice Venn diagram and tech. Yeah, I could talk about all this shit all day, fellas. So, on, yo, <laughs> yo. Be be easy, well, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Um, can't wait to be back on, man. Let me just say the word, and, and I'm in here. Got you, bro. I appreciate Thank you. you. Oh, oh, yourself. last thing, last thing, last thing. To anyone who's in Texas, I want to do a Texas takeover, man. I don't know how your governor is on the COVID shit. I think we will respect, of course, the the, the health and safety protocols. But man, we were this close to all the listeners to doing a takeover in Philly with EYL. It was me. It was Ani. It was EY, right. like, yo, we had it lined up and it fell through, but I'm seeing that. Ian lives in Houston. Did you know that? Oh, I, mean, I didn't know I that. Drive, yeah, I could drive a few thousand people away easily. Yo, <laughs> yo, I, I say that we need to do an activation in Texas and I still got, Cadillac, you know, I still got Cadillac support. So we could Cadillac brand it, blow it up, turn it into a live podcast, whatever. Right, like do a dinner format or interview format, socially distanced with the crowd in the back, and we could do it in Houston. We could do it in Dallas. Um, we could, you know, Austin's a little white, but um, but we, we could definitely do it in in Houston and Dallas and and just rock out. But um, I wanted to sprinkle that out there and just throw it in the universe because uh, I'm sure I'm sure that's in the cars for us. Let's do it. I appreciate right, you, brother. man. Amazing. All right, brother. Appreciate Be well, you, bro. Peace. Thanks for having me on. No problem, bro. John Henry, legend himself. Yeah. There are a lot of gems inside the gems that you guys need to write down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Henry, man. Always, always. Every time you speak, I, I learn something. Man. It's crazy. You, you, you can talk to him on the phone, you talk to him text, it never changes. You're going to learn something. Yeah. So, um, you, I mean, we got Ian here. You want to do a couple questions? We didn't get a chance to do questions. Yo, I didn't get to do the earnings real quick, Ian. Yeah, there's a few earnings yeah, like, that are on my radar that. Obviously, uh, people are probably interested in and aware of. So tomorrow, uh, after closing, we got Twitter reporting, Lyft reporting, uh, and Wednesday after uh, closing, we have Uber reporting. Uh, and then Thursday, one of my big, 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 big time on my list, uh, Disney reporting. You know, I love Disney. Disney's gonna be good. Oh man, I'm waiting for them to get to a number that that I want to enter at. But 
I might have to reevaluate my numbers actually. Uh, so Disney's reporting and uh, David Dog's reporting. So shout out to everybody that was in David Dog. I was talking about David Dog in uh in uh, June. You know, shout out to, to all my people in Atlanta that listen to to the David Dog uh, information and uh, sourcing some great returns on that. So they're reporting too. So that's in the cloud computing space. Disney one sixty four, not bad. I know it got up to one eighty eight today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's running away from me, but yeah. no, we got really evaluating on this. We're, we're getting in it. I will be in Disney. I'm saying that I will personally be in Disney. Apps. It's just about a matter of time. You want to drop your gem on defense? Or you want to wait till next week? Oh, uh, let's wait till next week because I want to. I want to just try to give a couple since we got we got you here in the flesh. Uh, I wanted if we can get a couple questions in. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I got you, <laughs> John. You know that was a. A legendary, legendary yeah. situation. So, you know, we got to give him as much time as he needs to talk. So, support the brother. My bro, Mike. Mike, what's going on? Unmute yourself. You've been unmuted. Yo, what's up, y'all? Hey, okay. So, I had a list. I have I me, mean, this podcast is crazy. I had a list of questions. So, but I'm about to go back to what Ian did. Um, so you said only pick a number of trades. Is that only for futures and options or is it for all stock? For everything that's just short term. Everything that's short term? Yeah, every, anything short term. So anything that you're holding for less than a year, go and look and see if you if you cut the number of trades in half, how much better you would have done and what the percentage difference will be. Brokers okay. know. There's like if you Blow your account and you get margin call, they can stop you from trading. It would be in their best interest to potentially cut off your trades if you draw down 10%, but they don't do it because they know if you lose, you're going to double down and put more money back into it. So it's like you're going across the toll road 10 times. If you cut your trades in half, you'll perform a hell of a lot better. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate you, Mike. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, let's go to Juan. Juan Castro. Unmute yourself. You've been unmuted. What's going on? What's going on, fellas? Right, How are good, you guys? Good, good. good. All right, so I, I'm faced with a pretty interesting scenario right now. Um, I'm 22, just graduated this past summer from Baruch. Uh, shout out to John Henry. My question was actually a little entrepreneurial-based as well. Uh, but basically, I've been in crypto since like 2017. It was my first experience with investing and uh up until like recently it's been getting pretty crazy um so like i currently work for a big bank um from new york but moved to to dallas over the summer um so basically i have like a good amount of uh like money that you know has grown over the years uh, thankfully, because of crypto, um, I'm a red panda earner. Um, so it's like I'm kind of faced with a dilemma where it's like I kind of want to go that entrepreneurial route and quit my job that, you know, I've been in for like eight months now. Um, started investing this summer, uh, but I'm kind of stuck in between where it's like, you know, this crypto could go higher. Um, but it's so also. You, so you're you thinking about selling your crypto to support your lifestyle as an entrepreneur? Yeah, like I kind of want to go all in on learning how to trade and um, kind of do like long term options and just build a really like a decent portfolio. Uh, but I also want to educate 
um, other people. So that's kind of like my entrepreneurial um, passion, like teaching other people how to invest. Um, thankfully, like with EYL, Ian, and, uh, you know, every all the other um, educators on IG and YouTube, I've been able to like grasp a lot of knowledge. Um, but what I want to do is really focus on the Latino community um, and kind of go that route. Um, but I just, I don't have the time right now because my job is uh, is pretty demanding. Um, like, this is my passion and it feels like, you know, this is the opportunity that has presented itself right now. Um, so it's like, I'm kind of stuck, you know, do I go that route like John Henry kind of said or um, oh. kind of wait for it, so. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Uh, if you believe in crypto, don't sell it. Hold it for 10 years. Two, don't quit your job because I'm going to tell you, the ugly side of entrepreneurship is no one tells you how tough it is. Mm. How many hours do you work at your job? Uh, probably 50. How many hours a day do you work? Nine, nine, 10 hours. I'll eat your lunch. <laughs> Here's when you when you know you want to work it for real. You ever been in love or met somebody that you could not stand to not be around? If you don't work that job more than you be around her, you should not do it. And, go ahead. No, and, and um, another thing with the Bitcoin situation, and um, do your own research on this, but you can actually, like some people have an issue with it. It's like, let's say all of your money hypothetically is in Bitcoin. But you know that Bitcoin, you're thinking that Bitcoin's price is going to go up. So you don't want to sell your Bitcoin. It's a catch-22 thing. It's like yeah. if you sell your Bitcoin and support your lifestyle, mm -hmm. then you're going to lose it. So you can actually borrow against your crypto. And you can use the um, you can use Bitcoin as collateral. There's different sites. I think one is um, BlockFi, like BlockFi.com. And it's a few. It's, it's actually, it was actually a coin. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of a coin. It was a while ago that... Um, but that that was the that was the utilization of the coin was to actually um, use your crypto as collateral and, and actually loan out the crypto and you can so you don't actually have to sell the Bitcoin to actually still make money off of it to support because that's like a catch twenty two and that was actually when I when when I found out about that coin that was something that made a lot of sense to me because I was thinking like you got all this Bitcoin it's like stock almost like it's like right. it's paper um, if you if you need money what are you going to do you don't want to sell it so there are there are alternatives to that. But thank you for your question, bro. Yeah. Um, oh, real quick, real quick. John, I, I would say this too, man. And I know your job is very demanding, but find find time, right? Allocate your time differently, yeah. whether you're doing the, the work on the on the weekends, because people learn every day, all day. And so if you want to do that and that's your passion, because it sounds like that's what you want to do, is, yeah. I would definitely just try to do it on the weekends, uh, study on your lunch breaks, when you get home, just allocate your time a little bit differently. And pursue it, man. I, I don't discourage anybody that has nine to five. Like yeah, I, I yeah. was a nine to five, but I'm telling you, lunch breaks. I'm studying after school. I'm studying before I wake up. When I wake up in the morning, five thirty in the morning, I'm studying. Yeah, and I'm not saying that to dissuade you. I want to show you the real. I can try to tell you right now. Chart up right now. Listen, but you you have to realize, and one of the biggest mistakes you're going to make in building a business, you're going to miss time with your family and friends that you're never going to get back. If you want to leave. Leave when the business is producing five or seven times what you're making now, because at some point you're going to hit a rough patch. And guess what happens? I'm assuming that you're Latino. In a black and brown community, when our entrepreneurial ventures don't work, our family says, you should have kept your job. I'm right. telling you what I lived. Right. Wait. There's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with working. And if you hate your job, 
Use that as motivation to get better at this, and then you can make your exit. But entrepreneurship is not easy. But if you want it, use it as motivation, come out, kill shit, and then in a year or two, you'll be dramatically different. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? What's that? Dodge coin. Is it Dodge? They keep saying it's different. Dog. Dodge coin was one of that. That's in 2017. Oh, oh, oh. That's kind of other. Like, some say dodge, some say doge. Doge, yeah. I saw Snoop said Snoop put a tweet out. Doggy dog coin. <laughs> the doge coin. So the doge coin, dodge coin, whatever. Crypto enthusiasts are going to slaughter us for this. Um, all right. Not a joke anymore. This is something that it has to be addressed. It started off as a joke. And um, Elon has been running this, this thing crazy on Twitter. He put a tweet out the other day that said, like, what do you think the future of money is uh, Dogecoin or all other cryptocurrencies combined. It was like 73% of the people said Dogecoin. Um, and it's running and everybody keeps asking me about Dogecoin. So uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, it's going to fall apart. I'll say <laughs> Y'all shoot me on Twitter how you did about GameStop and AMC and then... I mean, people people yeah. were in it. I mean, it, it just gives us flashbacks of like when something was under a penny, right? Yeah. We're talking a tenth of a penny to now it's at eight cents. And so people are looking at those returns of their climbing. It's just like, yo, I want I don't want to miss out. Yeah. And that's that's what happens in that crypto space, man. It's like I don't want to miss out. For those of you who are in a good job, I just want to stress. And I was talking about kudos to my barber John. I was talking to him about this. You have to know your predetermined exit, whatever that is in the stocks, make that a multiple of 10. So normally if you have a hundred percent return, you can push to have a higher return. I'm looking at the chart right now. It ran up. So if you guys got in a penny, it's, it's at eight cent. Maybe take a quarter of the profit and let it run. And if it pulls back to six cent, get out and you hit a home run. What I don't want you to do is it peels back in March and goes back and you're like, man, because what is the competitive advantage? And also look at the market cap for crypto. Just yeah. Google it and see where they rank. It's the same thing. I need you guys to be careful. But even if something is a penny, I know we won't talk about penny stocks, but if you get in at a low price, which has an advantage, know what your exit, same thing John talked about, multiple. So if you're going to trade something that is highly leveraged or low float or pink sheet, what is the multiple in which you're going to exit? You can't have FOMO. If you exit at 10x, 12x, it's a home run, man. It's a home run. But those coin. Yeah, I mean, and Elon tweeting about it. And saying to the moon and it's speculative, but it, it drives the coin up. I mean, that's why it's, it's it's crazy. I'm watching Snoop Dogg put a tweet out and I'm like, all right, people are really but if institutions get behind it, they'll give you a case. Doge to the Doge to the moon. Anything uh, that they say goes to the moon. Doge to the moon. Oh, I, I'm H O D. I mean, my, my two cents on this is this. Doge to the moon. Yes, that's gonna happen. But just because you can make money on something doesn't mean that it it's so fundamentally sound. It's a trade. It's a trade. It's, it's a good trade. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. It has no real utilization. It's not a good fundamental crypto coin. Any crypto expert will tell you that it was never, it was started as a joke. Yeah. That's why the logo, the logo is what it is because it's a joke. You can make a lot of money on jokes. It's a fact. It's not funny no more. No, it's not. <laughs> so um, so I will say this. Long term, do I have like I believe in Bitcoin? Yes, I believe in Ethereum. Yes, I don't believe in Dogecoin. 
a lot. I don't think it, it might. Who knows? Anything is possible. Do I believe it's going to be here 20 years from now? Probably not. But do I believe that it might go to 50 cents? Probably. Yeah. So that means you can make your own decision yeah. on that. I'll say this. The last time that it hit about six cents, quiz time. When was the last year that it hit above six cents? And then what happened after that? So my underlying philosophy on the thing, if you believe in it, hold it for 10 years because you have an 80% probability of it working in your favor. The last time it hit this price, it was what happened? January 2018? I'm not even looking at the chart. 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dogecoin. Well, yeah, hopefully. All right. So that's I don't care if it's you got in gold here. Like, you need to know <laughs> when you're going to get in. Because I was a gold hoarder in Zamunda, right? <laughs> if you have to know if you're getting in at a certain percentage, and if you guys just, the top is 100, if you just not walk off the 5% ratio or 10% ratio, Gotta tell you your buy levels. What's happening is it's running up and you're getting FOMO. We talked about it last week, the liquidity here. Stop chasing at a too high of a price. So it's Jabu cheese about it. It's on the lead. Kudos to <laughs> Gotti. Doge to the moon. This is this is not financial advice. Don't buy Doge. They're gonna buy Doge, it's gonna crash. Elon, Elon playing with y'all, man. Elon be trolling. 1.5, though. But you never know. 1.5. It's Yeah, you never know. Well, that's not a troll. That's that's big. That's a big The Bitcoin situation is not a troll. That was a real situation. But even when JP Morgan was saying it won't be a good asset in London, they were buying it. That's why I tell you guys, go don't follow what someone says. Like, follow what they're doing. Jamie Dimon is killing the space in 2017. Accumulating shares. 2020. Oh, wait, surprise. Surprise, we've been yeah. investing in the space. It's just the way it is, man. Follow the money. Don't follow the words. Follow the money. Yeah, follow the money. And um, shout out to the Bitcoin Trust also. Uh, That's moving. Justin told us about that. That was up like 17% today. From I got it up. Yeah, 20% Because Bitcoin went up 20%. Yeah. So 20%. GBTC is the Bitcoin Trust that you can actually buy on the stock exchange. So for people that are... It's an art fund, too. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's for people that are still a little nervous about, um, you know, putting their money in, in cryptocurrency because you can lose your wallet or you can you don't know how to do it. You just you're comfortable buying stocks. You can actually buy the the Bitcoin Trust, um, which mirrors. It's like an index fund kind. Of, like it mirrors Bitcoin. Yeah. Bitcoin don't buy it right now. It's too high. Yeah. But and Ethereum started trading today. In futures, futures. Right? Yep. Yeah, yep. Ethereum. When a thing to get back, boys are in trouble. <laughs> like, well, also, four-year target, I know you guys are asking for targets, uh, 126.99. So if you're going to hold GBTC, uh, 126.99 is like an exit where you can start to look at plan, which you're going to have Bitcoin. Like, 126,000. Yeah. And no, I'm not changing my stance about Bitcoin. Been, like, my thing is like if you that's a big target. What you, you invest the Bitcoin? Yeah. Oh, that's that's gonna happen next year. Because because interest rates stay low, funds are gonna continue to allocate place. Okay, and truth be told, Kathy ruined the game for a lot of investors who were doing a terrible job. So now she'll come in and knock out 40, 50 percent. You can give me seven percent and not doing any work, Randy or whatever hedge fund. Now all of a sudden, this woman said, I can get you a multiple of that. You have to then produce now. You have an asset class that can give you a higher return. They have to then pour money in the institutions that have been doing something, building a base. And that's part of the reason why it's going up while it's interest rates are at zero. Bitcoin is one of the most obvious things that I've seen in recent history. Banks have been piling into Bitcoin. JP Morgan piled into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Hedge funds have piled into Bitcoin. 
They have the bitch, big Bitcoin. They have the Bitcoin. Mute that, uh, Mike. Edit that. Respect, respect, yeah, respect. They have the, they have, the, they have the Bitcoin. We love, we love. They have, they have the Bitcoin um, <laughs> uh, fund on the stock market, and Elon just put 1.5 billion into it. So you think all these people's putting all this money, all this time, all this energy for it not to go up? Yeah. Yes. So that's crazy. So Tesla had 19, I think, was it 19 billion? And they spent 1.5. They said, yo, don't be surprised if like Apple makes it. Jack right? did the same thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we'll talk about it next because a lot of us are all gonna move in certain things. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Yo, uh, yo, shout out to our ladies behind us today. Before we go, shout out to our ladies behind us. Uh yesterday was the 30 year anniversary of Whitney's uh, Super Bowl <laughs> national anthem. So That's we got the classic. We got we got a classic that Whitney Houston album. My mom used to play that every Sunday while I was growing up. So we got that, and of course we got the Queen Janet up there. Control the Control album, still in there, still in there, still in there. And of course the legendary threes are up top, y'all. Yeah. Legendary threes are up top. Probably one of, in my top three singers of all time. Jordan threes are serious, 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 serious. So uh, yeah, man. What size you were? Twelve. What's going on? I got a lot in there. Oh, <laughs> they said the EYL new coin. Sorry, just not. <laughs> man, that's rated R. Yeah. <laughs> Trading after dark. 21 and up. Crypto. Coming soon. Hey, yo, look, man, listen, as always, um, before we go, reach out, check somebody, call somebody, uh, check in on somebody just to make sure that they're doing well. But also, you know what I, I never forget? I always forget to say. What's that? Do a self inventory. Do a self inventory, man. We've been saying for weeks, you know, reach out and and, and checking on the people around you, make sure that they're doing good. But every every now and then, you got to do a self inventory to make sure that you're doing good, right? Um, and that's that's super important. A lot of times we don't we don't spend time doing that. Um, we got to take care of ourselves, y'all, before we can take care of anybody else. And so, self inventory is important. Um, but again, you know, reach out to people who. You haven't spoken to in a while, I mean, you never know what one phone call or one text can do. Um, we love y'all. Uh, <laughs> it's always fun rocking with y'all. Ian Fluent, that's two times in three weeks, man. You never know. And uh, peace, man. It's been real. We'll see y'all on tomorrow. The Master P episode will be dropping. That is a big one, biggest, biggest, biggest. Shout, shout, shout out to the team, shout out to MG uh, and Denise for putting that together. Shout out to all the studio audience that was in attendance for that. We had uh, Wall Street Trapper, we had Maddie J, Maddie J. we had Spectacular, we Alex had Alex Energy, MG the Mortgage Oh, We had Dave Shands before he left, we were there to watch it. So uh, it, was, it was a crazy time and it was one of those moments. And like we said earlier, man, a lot of times we, we are in the moment and we forget to realize like, yo, this is a this is monumental. Yeah. Um, so we, we took time to just recognize that. And uh, Wednesday, I, again, we have, uh, EYL University, the class with Jose de Perdue, which is going to be phenomenal. Uh, and then we got some surprises. We got some, we got some surprises that we're going to send out very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to everybody out there. Um, this will be out on all podcast uh, outlets in a couple hours. Um, so rate the pod. Don't forget to um, go to the, so go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the podcast, rate it um, five stars. And just leave a comment. You can just leave whatever comment you want. Just leave a Say comment. Say it's amazing. 
Yeah, positive, positive yeah, comment. Positive. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I'll we'll leave you with the last word, Ian. Uh, Troy, I appreciate you opening up your home again. Kudos to my brother in the back show with his headphones on. I see you. Um, Rashad, I appreciate you. Uh, you guys, well, quick tip. How many hours a week do y'all work on average? Because there's a perception of, I can do three hours a day and build an empire. Nah. And I mean, I tell people all the time, for me, it's, it's, not, it's, it's no real work schedule. You just yeah. wake up. And, get to and you get to it, you take breaks in between, you might eat, you might go to the gym, you might, you know what I'm saying, and then you just um, work until you, until you fall asleep. Yeah. And that's it. That's, I woke, that's, that's crazy. That's, there is no that's, that's a fact. I woke up this morning, my son saw me uh, watching the news, he said, Daddy, this is like 7 o'clock in the morning, he's like, Daddy, you ain't, you're not working yet? Yeah. Because he's always he's used to seeing me up and going, but yeah, there's no hours, man. But I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's the price that you have to pay for freedom. Yeah. That's I'm it. just going to be honest with you guys. So for those of you that are aspiring to be entrepreneurs, the reason I keep bringing this up is I, I know something, if you're not doing the work already, and I was there before when I was like in a business that I didn't love, and it was like a pain to answer the emails or hop on the calls. If it's a chore, don't do it. But um, to my family, I love you. To my friends, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for opening up your home again. Um, Thank you for making this magic. We got to go trademark Bitcoin. <laughs> I didn't actually Somebody say that. It was it was a, it was slurred in the in the, but it wasn't. You know, it yeah. was it sounded like that. It was one of those things where it sounded yeah. a little different than what it actually was. Because you know, it'd be a fake page and pop up like, "Yo, I got it. Yo, <laughs> the coins." Oh, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. That's not us. No, that's not us. Yeah, that's yeah. not us. Oh yeah, yeah. All Please those, all that. those. There's a lot of fake pages on YouTube that have earlier leisure on it and. They're asking people for um, cash app. They're asking people to text for a number to what? Yeah. And at five thousand dollar giveaways and all of that, those are scam pages. We have nothing to do with that. We try our best to, you know, let people know that. Um, but unfortunately, there's always somebody that's going to try to get over on people that, you Be know. Careful. So don't don't fall for that. Don't send any money to any weird address. And we're not going to ask for the money. Yeah, we're not, if we're not, it's no giveaway going on. It's, if we do a giveaway, we don't know we do a giveaway. We'll say it. Yeah, we, know how we do this. If, you, if you ain't here, say we're doing a giveaway. Don't have somebody else trying to trick you out of $5,000, please. And last thing, last thing, last thing, <laughs> for real. Uh, number one and two, a thousand scholarships. A thousand, right? Yeah. Yo, run that up. Run them numbers up, man. I want I want to see a thousand. Y'all gotta quit up. acting like we'll put you on some out of Red Panther family just run it up. But well, we provided some incredible value. So right. with that slide, you guys want to be in. And yes, you'll be in the new one with all the bonuses. So and they asked for chart time. Can we start with chart time chart time next? Um yeah, let's we'll, 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 a little bit. We'll give a little chart. A little bit. Yeah. So uh next week is a big we can't say everything is top secret right now, but I want to say it so bad. People want to jump on me. <laughs> next week is we got a. It's a big one. It's a big, 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 big market Mondays next week. We keep raising the bar. We got to just keep, keep raising the bar. So um, I was about to say the guy choking. <laughs> <laughs> next week, man. Next week, huge. we got we got a huge, huge surprise for you guys. So that's it, man. Thank you guys for rocking with us. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, tap in, and we'll definitely see you next week. Love you, over out. Um, to my mom, I love you. Let me give you a call. Please, y'all love. Stock club, let's go. Take your
your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.